Hello and welcome to You Contain Multitudes. On this podcast, we'll explore what it means to intentionally love, live, and succeed on your own terms, while exploring many of the things that make being on this planet so spectacularly interesting. You deserve an existence that fulfills upon your wildest dreams. Why? Well, simply because you contain multitudes. I'm very excited for today's guest, Tara Anderson. They are my personal queer coach. One of my one of my queer queer fairy godparents, fairy queer fairy queer parents, whatever. That has been that I've been exploring my own queerness with. Um, I just did their queer competency course, which changed my life. Um, and I've been wanting to have them on the show for a while. But I'd love to share how we actually first met as I think something that will like really set the stage for the culture of our relationship and the work you do. But welcome to the show. Yay, I'm so happy to be here. Um, So I did a summit back in early 2021 and I was really starting to explore uh, inclusivity and wanting to expand the relationship or expand the conversation around relationships, intimacy, and partnership. And I sought Tara out and I offered to do paid, uh, to do profit sharing for this summit. I ended up operating at a multi-thousand dollar loss and um, Tara followed up with me afterwards and asked me about what was happening with the profit sharing because I had specifically sought out historically excluded speakers to come and speak to my audience and um and Tara really called me forward and pointed out the harm that I had caused in basically seeking out minority voices using those minority voices to pre- to present um like a more inclusive summit and platform and then not paying them uh, which of course at first was very uncomfortable feedback to receive but also there was an experience of like shame on my end, but also a, a deep feeling that this person was betting on my intention and my desire to be in integrity with my values. And I think this is something that can get lost in sort of like the whole like, you know, anti-cancel culture is realizing that when people call us forward and call us out, what they're doing is actually seeing us greater than our mistakes and really loving us into who we say we want to be, but maybe haven't mastered being in the world yet. And so uh, when Tara offered their queer competency program this year, I immediately reached out and wanted to do it with them. And, uh, And it was because they bet on me in this seemingly, right, uh, confrontational way. Um, but really it felt like it was such a deep act of, act of love and really seeing me for who I wanted to be in the world rather than who I was being based on my ignorance. So I just wanna thank you. I know I've already said it before, but I wanna thank you again for, for betting on me and betting on people who mess up. Mm, damn, Theora. I already have like full body goosebumps. <laughs> I might have I might have little eye tears in my eyes. Oh yes. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah. So, um, so I just completed their queer competency course, which is amazing. And it's pride month and they're offering a 66% off sale. I'm going to include a link for anybody that we'll talk about it more, but just want to preface that. Um, but really I'm excited to ask you Tara, to talk a little bit about, um, pleasure activism because your work your work, I mean, it's like, okay, cool. Let's open this giant can of worms. But um, I'd first love to start, like, what is pleasure activism? And then how are you um, creating work around it right now? Mm, beautiful. So I'll share what pleasure activism is to me. And before I do, I want to name that the, the term and the ideas have really um, gained a broader platform since Adrienne Marie Brown wrote her book, Pleasure Activism. And I wanna direct everyone to that resource, truly, truly transformational text. For me, and I believe that everyone, I wanna invite actually everybody to define this term for themselves. But for me, when I'm speaking about it, what I'm talking about is the way in which pleasure can become a revolutionary act and the way in which it has the potential to free us and also simultaneously bring us closer together such that we are a deeper feeling society and therefore more connected and more able to see each other in our wholeness and create positive social change, right? And so pleasure becomes the, the vehicle for us to do that. And I think a lot of times when we think about social justice, there's like a gnawing, fighting energy to it. And pleasure activism is very much more about how um, we can come into deeper relationship with our own bodies as an act of liberation, truly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you mentioned Adrienne Marie Brown's book. I was like, is it on me? It's somewhere on my bookshelf. Because um, I remember read it, it, there's there's a quote in there where it talks about social justice being the, like, like, something along the lines of like, I know we'll, we'll have achieved my vision when social justice feels like the most pleasurable act you can yes. engage in. And I, cause my association with social justice is exhaustion, a sense of power or was more so was like a sense of exhaustion, powerlessness, defeat. Uh, and then, and then I would say that usually collapses into avoidance. And yeah. so and so I, I, I'm almost wondering too, because I think for me, it's still, I haven't finished the book. I think it still lives in like a conceptual space where one, I think there's a lot of association with erotic, eroticism when it comes to pleasure, which I think is part of it. But I also think sometimes it's just a like joy being expressed by people's embodies or like one flavor could just be like joy being expressed by people's embodies that have been historically where their joy has been tried, like people have tried to erase their joy. Would you say that that's like an example? Of pleasure activism? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure, yeah. I think that that very much can be an act of, of pleasure activism. And it very much also is, you know, just one of the things that we say often in, in the communities that I run in that, you know, hold marginalized identities and experiences is just our mere act of existing. Yeah. is a revolutionary act. And then can you see how that levels up when we're not only surviving, but we're thriving? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So in that case, to what you're speaking to, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. 
Um, I think, I guess I'm, and I don't, I mean, I don't even know how to ask this question. Maybe it's not really a full question yet. Well, let's just, let's just dive into, let's dive into you're working on a program. Do you want to talk a little bit about the program you're working on and what it's, what it's designed around? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we, Duran and I are launching a new offering in July. It's 2022 because I know this, this is going to live on in perpetuity. So I will name exactly where we are in time. And also I will say that our full intention is to continue this offering on word forth because it so deeply speaks to both of our hearts. And the offering is called Pleasure and Peace. Really what it is doing is it's supporting us to do the internal personal personal liberation work that we have access to in order to create more satisfaction, joy, power, sovereignty in our lives. And in doing that, we become more efficient agents for change, more liberated in ourselves, thriving in connection with one another in community. And that is really the foundation of the social change we're trying to see in the world, right? So pleasure and peace is really about, like I'm saying, personal liberation, and we're doing it from a lens of pleasure and boundaries. So for those of us who have, you know, struggled to get what we want in our lives, for those of us who have felt like we, you know, are battling inner voices of unworthiness, or that going after the things that you truly want and desire are scary for you, even accessing desire, knowing what you want, is hard. Um, setting boundaries around what you don't want is hard. This program is really for you. And we're looking at how building up those skills and that internal autonomy, that internal sovereignty to really know what it is that you desire in your life and go after it, how that can be the foundation for your own liberation and therefore collective liberation over time, right? If we're all doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't taken this course, but I did take queer competency. Mm-hmm. And I think what was, I mean, I'm, I'm going to weave a little bit of my personal experience in here because I came into it as somebody whose personal values lived life and expression where like at direct odds with, with like very binary heteronormative marketing. And I'd sort of done that for a few things. One was like lived experience. And the other was really internalizing very reductionist marketing philosophies, right? Like, as if like people are too stupid to understand. Like, I can't 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 say can't say partners. You gotta say men and women because otherwise people won't know what you're doing. You know, like mm-hmm. niching down and like really not treating people as intelligent. And I can't. And we talked about this when when I was exploring doing the program, where I was like, there's this deep incongruence between the business that I'm leading and then the way I'm living my personal life. And I don't know how to reconcile those two things. So I went into it primarily for professional reasons. And what did you come out of it with? (laughs) I came out of it discovering that I was queer AF. (laughs) Um, Or I actually don't know if I feel like I'm like 
anyway, whatever we don't need to, anyway. Um, yeah. To discovering that I, that I was very much, I was like definitely experiencing compulsory heteronormative or heterosexuality mm-hmm. because of like, anyways, Okay, wait, what do I say? Oh, so liberation. So queer competency, even though that is designed very much to be somebody that can hold space for queer people to create spaces that are actually safe, actually inclusive, that actually like really center the dignity and experience of the LGBTQIA community. I watched not only in myself, but also other people in the program, like facilitate their own liberation so I can only imagine what a program designed by you and Wees that's actually engineered to guide you guide someone through liberation like how incredibly potent that would be oh yeah it's it's gonna be absolute fire I am so excited to see what we can co-create with the people who are signing up for this offering um Oh my gosh, in planning this course out and starting to record the modules and doing some podcast episoding with like Wee's in in her, you know, according to Wee's podcast and just talking about what it is at the the base of this mission is like truly like healing as disruption, right? We're talking about self-love as power. We're talking about pleasure as justice. Like these are really, really revolutionary terms and ideas. And it feels so exciting to be doing this in a really conscious way because what I've learned over the years of teaching the queer competency certification and also in my own queerness. So like a lot of this comes from my my personal experience, right? Is how queerness in and of itself starts to liberate people just by being in proximity to it, Mm -hmm. right? There's a way in which like queerness has the ability to expand what we can see and, and accept and acknowledge in ourselves. It challenges what we were taught to, um, see in the world. It definitely shifts our paradigms of like how we're seeing others and in turn, how we're seeing ourselves. And I just feel like that's why in this course, so many people go through their personal liberation process, because a lot of people come to the queer competency certification to learn about how to serve the LGBTQIA community. And I appreciate that. Like, that is absolutely what I'm selling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want that for everyone. I want our community to have more access to affirming spaces. And also I have a deeper, um, maybe secret agenda I will just like name it. Let's be real. That more of the people who come into my spaces leave with more of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I want. And it's not about, you know, you had a personal revelation around, you know, some of your own identities, mm-hmm. right. And the words that you're using to describe those identities and converting people to queerness is not the agenda. Let's like be really like clear about that because I know that there are some folks out there that feel that way. Mm-hmm. Right. But rather that the parts of ourselves that have been othered, the parts mm-hmm. of ourselves that have been disowned, the parts of ourselves that have ma- been made to feel unlovable, that we leave the spaces that we share with more of those parts of ourselves intact. 
right? And that's the liberation journey that I see most of my clients go on. It's like, oh, wow, I can actually embrace those things that I thought were not okay about me. Yeah, because, right, like, I, it's so, and it's like the radical spirit of queerness is the, like, it includes the dissolving of, like, you mentioned those scripts. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking about, like, a couple of people in the program who discover, who are in, either like straight or straight passing relationships had like massive breakthroughs around their own identity and sexuality. And um, because like, that's like, like, I guess the nature of, of exploring and claiming queerness is one of like autonomous definition. Mm-hmm. I guess like when done in the spirit of queerness, cause that, that was something that I, well, so I had this call with Tara. There's a couple of private calls and I just sat there and cried in shame. I was like, I guess I'm just straight. I guess I'm just really vanilla. I was crying so hard. Mm. <laughs> and you were like holding space for me and you were like, that's okay. <laughs> um, and, and I, I even realized now looking back, it, it was, we're so conditioned into these boxes and scripts that we're trying to figure out what other like, okay, the box I'm in doesn't feel like it fits. So let me find what a different box is rather than completely unboxing. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was, I think a big experience for me going through that was like, oh, right. Labels are only, I just did a little TikTok reel about this. So yeah, she's getting into TikTok. Um, Where I was like, labels are only helpful to the degree to which they free us. Right. And then yes. if they, it starts to become another person's box, then it's not helpful anymore. Yes. It, it would. It's just, I mean, I just, I mean, I've said this to, you, to your face and I've said this in writing, but you're just like one of the most amazing facilitators I've ever worked with. Like for sure. And I've worked with a lot of facilitators. <laughs> um, and I'm also, I think a little bit hard to impress. My roommate was just reflecting. She's like, sometimes you're kind of judgmental. And I was like, okay, taking that feedback, taking that feedback. It's true though. <laughs> um, but so today I posted like a coming out post and we started talking about it before we hit record and like you, you were like celebrating me. And I, I, I think what comes, it did feel, a li- it feels, it felt a little bit vulnerable, right? I probably reread it more than any other thing I've shared online. Um, I also feel like because of my privilege as like a white cis woman that I like I posted it knowing that I wasn't going to experience much harm. And like, if I did have like a crappy comment, that would be the extent of it. Yeah. Um, like I like knew that I wasn't going to lose family. I knew that I wasn't going to lose any of my important friends. And so I think in that sense, when I was thinking about posting it, I was like really aware of the safety that I carry with me Mm. um and so um and I'm also thinking about like how much easier it was for me to like make a social media post coming out rather than other people I know whose existence just their existence moving through the world outs them I know some people I've talked to is like they they would never do it that publicly because it's 
because it would just be such like a radically different experience for them. Yeah. So that when you asked me like, how are you feeling about it? I was like, yeah, I feel, I feel good. I feel, I feel, uh, I definitely don't feel queer enough, which I'm finding is like a pretty, um, pretty common phenomenon for like straight passing people. <laughs> like all my pan and bi friends are like, yeah, 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 me too, me too. But, but yeah, I, I, I think like to just as like a testimony to your course, I feel like more liberated and I feel less confined by labels. Oh, and I sent an email out to my list and I already got an email back from somebody who was like, this is what I've been experiencing. Like, wow. we should, and like, we're just going back and forth talking about it. And she was, she was like, yeah, I'm feeling less and less attracted to cis men. And, and I was like, oh my God, you know, like, <laughs> and so I, I, as I've been coming out and I've, this is also a really interesting thing. You can tell me if you've, but as I've been coming out to people that I thought were straight, because they were in straight passing dynamics and relationships, so many people have come out to me mm-hmm. and been like, oh yeah, I'm queer too. Like we, you know, what we're, whatever, we've been a throuple or, you know, all these interesting things. I'm like, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. I love that point so much because it really just names that you cannot assume someone's sexual orientation or gender identity based on the way that they look or the relationships that they're currently in, right? There's so much depth, more depth to us as human beings than cis heteronormativity would give us credit for, Mm -hmm. right? And I really, really love you naming that. And also this piece around like not being queer enough. I hear that Mm. from honestly most people as if it's something that we have to prove because we're told we must, right? Like that's the function of being cisgender and heterosexual being positioned as the norm, Mm -hmm. right? Is that we have to somehow prove that we are other than that in our lives. And it sets us up for a lot of agony (laughs) as we come into our truth, right? Of like- really having to, to perform queerness in some way in order to be enough. And it positions queer people against each other, which is, yeah. I think, a really nasty uh, undertow of the whole heteronormative thing <laughs> is that, you know, when people within a marginalized community come after each other, it makes maintaining the oppression of those people easier. Yeah. Right. And so I think that this queer enough piece, what I would invite you and anyone else who's listening to this that might feel some of that into, I would invite you into um, an acknowledgement that you accepting you as in your enoughness, in your identity, gets to actually be something that may provide more liberation for others as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, just like, you know, you sending out this email and getting this response back, it's like, oh goodness, there's one more person that feels seen and maybe like might accept more of themselves. If you're loving the show, but haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? Hit subscribe so that new episodes are delivered right into your podcast queue. That way you'll never miss a beat. I also think that there's, 
and you can tell me how you feel about this because I was because it's the the fear is being judged by people who are quote more queer. I know, right? <laughs> and and I've talked to some my friends who are like older too, and again, like it's a, that that phenomenon being pitted. But I was like, oh, okay, well, what can I do as somebody that's coming in who's benefiting from all the work that has come before? Mm-hmm. Right. Or is like done by people like a look, just like walking through the world mm-hmm. is like, yes, I'm, I'm queer enough in who I am. And is there a way that I can show up and honor the work that has been done and like hold compassion for people that have experienced much more discrimination and who do experience much more discrimination. And that really, I was just writing a piece about this where it's like, to be in integrity and really take it. I mean, everybody can do it however they want to me being in integrity and like, and existing in the safety that's been created for me looks like using my like cis straight privilege to vote, to advocate, to have those uncomfortable convert. I just had a conversation with my dad this weekend who you know, he's in his seventies and like really has struggled with rewiring stuff around pronouns and has felt very, very judged for mistakes. And I was like, this is my work to do. This is somebody who's interested, who like has the good intent. And I like, this is, this is, this is the locker room, Mm -hmm. right. That like a trans person is never going to be in a non-binary person is never going to be in with my dad. And we get to have this conversation and I get to disrupt and also figure out like, how do I make it safe? How do I help him feel safe and not judged so that he, the same way you did with me, right? Is like, and invite him forward, like betting on his intent. And like, we had a really, really heated at times, but then at the end, like really wonderful. Then the next day he was like, I'm so glad we had that conversation about gender last night. Right. Uh And I was like that it, but that is what we have to commit to. Like when we have more access to privilege, because like, I'm, I'm not going to get spit on. Like I'm not going to get misgendered and, and ever any variety of things. And I think that that's something that if that we don't have to, but I was like, oh, if this whole like not feeling queer enough thing, a way that I can show up is by leaning for, like further into the work than my own existence would push me. Mm. That makes sense. Say more. Like, like when you move through the world, your existence positions you like you, you don't get to hide. No. Right. Whereas like, I can find a lot of myself safely behind the like protective walls of heteronormativity. Mm-hmm. Like I have to opt into being out, like being out basically. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, well, if I want to honor the queer community and the people who have come before, then my job is to come out from behind those, well, those that those protective those socially protective walls and like opt in yeah yeah so absolutely absolutely and I will I will say that I don't personally hold any hierarchy and I don't necessarily hear this in what you're saying either but I want to name it for people who might yeah 
I don't hold any hierarchy in how out people are. Right. I think that is very much up to the individual based on our circumstances, our desires for ourselves, our desires for our relationships and our communities. And I will say to your point of, you know, you stepping more forward and into the spotlight around your identities and claiming those things publicly, it does give more representation for folks to say, wow, I had all of maybe I had all these assumptions about Piora. And here I am seeing her stepping into a side of herself I didn't know existed. What might that mean about the parts of myself that I haven't let see the light, right? Or the parts of others, people in my life that I might be making assumptions that are inaccurate about. And I think that that is so, so important. Like that's definitely a moment of activism. I think for folks who aren't really interested in being out publicly, the equivalent is fully owning yourself, Mm -hmm. yourself, right? Even if you never share it with anybody else, like being fully in your wholeness, fully conscious of like all of the parts of you that exist, that in and of itself will change the way that you move through the world, whether or not you make a Facebook post or an email or tell anybody, Right. And if we have more people who are stepping into their fullness and living from that place, I have a feeling there will be less hate in the world <laughs> per capita. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just look at again, I'm just going to use the queer competency crisis like a little petri dish, but was like you said, being in proximity to queerness, everybody stepped into a more full expression of who they are. It happens every time. Yeah. Unless someone's really digging their heels in and will not open their heart to it, to, to the fact that queerness exists and is like a whole healthy incarnation of humanity. uh, Those folks tend to like get less free being in proximity to queerness. But I think that if someone is going to open their heart and turn towards it, whether or not they identify as queer, they will become more free in some way. Yeah. I really believe that. Oh yeah. And, and you also have the behind the scenes evidence. Yes. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> really, I mean, if it happens hundred percent of the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe it just works. Oh <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> gosh. So cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the last thing I, I was interested in sort of, well, is, is like it is pride month and something you mentioned before we started hitting well and maybe we've already talked about it but something you mentioned before we hit record was like the superpowers of queerness Mm. yeah and that this is a great time to talk about it I mean I feel like we've named a lot of it as like you know queerness tends to free everybody that it touches I think that's a major superpower I think that You know, another one of the superpowers I've been thinking about a lot lately is the way in which queerness allows us to um, embrace the things we don't know or Mm -hmm. have yet to find out, right? Like there is a way in which it invites us into the unknown um, and allows us to edge further and further away from what we thought we knew into something that could possibly be. So in that way, I think one of the superpowers of queerness is like, to imagine possibility. Um, I love that. (laughs) I also think that 
queerness has the ability to redefine the way in which we love and what we consider to be love. I think that queerness has the ability to help us re-embody ourselves, like um, be more fully in our skin, be more fully in, in ownership of our bodies in the way that the ideas about how you use your bodies for sex or um, what gender certain body parts are or all of those boxes we put around our bodies, queerness invites us into like a reclamation of those things for us to imagine what could be possible around that. So I think embodiment is a huge superpower of queerness. What do you think? Do you have any superpowers of queerness you're discovering? Yeah. So as, as you were um, talking the, so I, I, I look at, cause I have a lot of work in like the energetic and like sort of Tantra descended sacred sexuality world, mm. which is obviously so pretty, bright, but it's, it's like this intersection of love and consciousness. Right. I mean, I mean, at it's like most lovely expression. Um, and as you're talking, it's neurologically, right. We're programmed to we're, we're programmed to like like fear or pleasure right and and i think fear is what really creates the binary right is to like take information and parse it down into these like s- simple pieces of uh, simple boxes right which is like where i think the binary comes from in large part and as you're talking i was like what this it, it's like it's like a software program update for holding com- like complexity, like <laughs> greater that. complexity in consciousness, right? Yes. It's more creative. It's like, it's like, uh, it, it, it like you can hold paradox in, in queerness. You can hold more dissonance. You can hold uh, more confusion as true, right? Like it, what it does is it programs your brain and I would say your emotional resilience to hold more complexity. Yes. And that, and that to me is like intellectually fascinating mm-hmm. as well. Um, I'm reading, so um, you, you recommended the book trans love, I think mm-hmm. um, edited by oh man, Morty diamond, Marty diamond. And it, it's been so interesting reading that book because I mean, I'm, I'm grateful I did the queer competency course, which like started to help me really create a lot more like agility in the ideas that I was holding, but the, this collection of essays bets on our ability to like really agilely navigate all these, all these like incredibly you in individualized relationships and identities and sexualities. And um, yeah, it's incredibly compelling. Um, but that's another, that's another part of like, sort of like the evolution in consciousness. I think queerness creates like expansion of consciousness and also like helps us with build more synapses, mm-hmm. right? Like I think it grows our brains, which is really cool. I think it grows our brains. I think it grows our hearts. I think what you're naming is is really at the core. And all of the other superpowers like 
sunbeam out from there, you know? <laughs> yeah. They're like yeah. the spokes on the wheel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Oh, queerness. Uh, yeah. And I, uh, yeah. Anyway, I think, I think what's been really interesting to me too, is how quickly I went from, again, like the heteronormative script has lied to us and told us that the majority of people are straight, <laughs> live straight lives. And then the more you research the, you realize like how much has been erased. And so now when I he, like hear somebody say, well, yeah, there just was two ways. And I'm like, that, yeah, that you, that you like, you know, so you had like one radio station and there were like nine other radio stations and your radio only picked up that one channel, but the other nine radio stations were existing that entire time. And I think things like Laverne Cox's disclosure sort of like opened me up to that. Reading the book Trans Love has, has been painting that for me where it's like, yeah, queer people have, or, or even if you look at like old, some of the original photographs, which seem like deviant BDSM, you know? (laughs) And it's like, wait a minute. Oh my, like this shit has existed everywhere the entire time. Oh yeah. And and it just, it got erased and in mass often all the time. And so I'm going back and I'm like rewinding my perception of the history of things I know mm-hmm. and realizing like, oh yeah, sir, soldiers in World War II. I'm sure that they had love affairs and had sex all the time. <laughs> we never hear about it, but I'm just like, mm, knowing what I know now, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I bet the front lines were queer as fuck, you know? <laughs> and and I'm just using that as like a like a, an example of a sort of like violent, more masculine thing that people would assume would be super straight, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because of all of the norms that we put on people's gender expressions based on what we think about as heterosexuality is so interesting. Um, And masculinity, femininity, like all of those tropes. Yeah. I think it's, it's a very healing practice for me personally to do that. And remember queerness through time Mm -hmm. there is and I'm going to blank on the author's name because I really I have a a hard time remembering names sometimes um but the book is called queer love or queer magic book Mm -hmm. is called queer magic and it goes through uh history and looks at just like queerness in religion across time that book was incredibly healing for me to see how many queer, trans, intersex, you know, gender expansive deities have been worshipped throughout time. Mm. And from our conceptualization of the of the holy, you know, we see we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? So if we were imagining queerness in what we're worshiping, we are queer ourselves. Right. And so just recognizing that, like, even from the beginning, like I'm talking Mesopotamia beginning, Mm -hmm. we have been here and there is, you know, I'm saying this and there's like a part of my brain that's going on in the background, like, duh, Tara, you know, yes, of course. And I think that if we can scream that (laughs) 
from the rooftops, I feel like there is something that was forgotten that gets remembered um, for more of us. And that's a really, really important thing right now, especially during Pride Month um, and beyond is just recognizing how we've, we've always been here. We've been fighting for the bit of representation that we have right now. Hopefully it will grow. Right now, legislatively, it feels like it's shrinking, but that will bounce back. I have faith. And, you know, I also, I really wonder about, um, you know, what it will be like to start seeing our bodies in queer ways, right? Like when, when you talk about the erasure that's been happening, the biological sex binary is one of the ways in which that erasure continues in like it's raging form right now. You know, this idea that our, our bodies fit into these like really scripted boxes of what is, you know, like this binary anatomy idea Mm -hmm. and seeing how many people actually fall outside of that, you know? And so it's, it's on every level. It's from the body into our gender expressions, into like the way in which we love and who we're attracted to. It's like queerness is everywhere. I think that that's a really, really important place to start as we're celebrating this month, right? Yeah. I also, this is semi, this is sort of, I guess it's related is, I can't remember where I heard it, some, some maybe TikTok or something, but it was like, who's your favorite queer historical figure? And someone said, Alan Turing. Mm-hmm. And it was like, without his, without him deciphering the enigma, like, we wouldn't be here. Like our country would have been devastated. And that's all thanks to a gay person. Yeah. Um, who was also probably in community with other queer people and had queer people on his team of um, code crackers. Uh, and obviously we can't overlook how he was then treated, which was pretty horrifying, but is like, it's like we all owe our lives to this brilliant gay man. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, that's, that was one person. Like, oh my God, you know, just, and I just remember hearing that. And it, it again, it, it's, it's almost like the axis keeps shifting underneath my feet. Mm. If that makes sense. Or like the center of gravity keeps shifting or something. Yeah. Um, obviously I'm like a little bit more of like a, like a baby gay than... <laughs> you know I'm like ooh, welcome to the bright new world of queerness but um yeah it's it's been like a really like cool discovery process yeah I want to name you know I love that and I think that it's really important for us to to see as we're looking through history and as we're like paying tribute the iconic figures that were largely silenced or erased that have had such a in, huge impact on our lives and our like our daily quality of life mm-hmm. and did so through the obstacles of you know homophobia and transphobia etc and i also think that it's it has the it runs the risk of being a little bit reductionist to mm-hmm. put so much weight on the people who made these big yeah. these big things right and so i want to invite folks also Again, here's the complexity. So we're inviting ourselves into complexity here to both hold and honor those people who who made those big moves, 
mm-hmm. <laughs> those queer folks who made those big moves. And also the mycelium of queerness that has been under us all the while, all mm-hmm. the time. Like all of those folks who just in our mere existence have revolutionized, have have fought, have truly made our world what it is today. Um, and I say mycelium for the for folks who are like, what is mycelium? I'm talking about like the fungus underneath our not to. <laughs> I'm talking about like the web of of consciousness underneath mm-hmm. us, right? Mycelium as in like the the web that like connects mushrooms and creates like this throughout the globe, yeah. Depth, yeah. Like this network throughout the globe. Right. And that's that's really truly what I'm meaning. Um and, and also to make sure that people aren't what's like, oh, queer people have to accomplish big things that benefit the straight world in order to be worthy of ding, ding, ding. taking up space. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's that feels like it doesn't quite do the thing we're trying to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead, yeah. we're really like here to honor the depth of of resilience, of existence, of thriving, of networking, of community. Um during this month and all of the months as we honor yeah. this legacy. Yeah. Cool. Is there anything else you like on your heart, on your mind that you want to share before we wrap up? Mm. Pleasure. Um, I think that's, that's really it. Like the last thing that I want to say is just to invite folks who are listening into some sort of pleasure practice today, like taking a moment, right now to check in with your body and see what would make this moment more pleasurable. Even if it's taking a sip of water or changing your posture in your seat or, you know, smiling up at the sunshine, like take a moment to do that for yourself because if we are more resourced, we will be able to be better for ourselves and each other. Yeah. Amen. Woo. Also, isn't I that to me? I think of those as like, have you ever heard of like a temple walk? Mm-mm. Okay, it's basically it's like walking meditation. And I would like go out with my dog and like look up and like all of a sudden I would like notice the beauty of the trees blowing in the wind and I would get like teary eyed and I was like, oh, because I'm I'm all of a sudden in this like very pleasurable intimate moment with like life or mm-hmm. the capital L life or capital E existence. Yeah. Um, Amazing. So thank you. Thank you. This is an awesome conversation. I kind of want to have you back to talk about other things, but we can discuss off, off camera. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, where can people find you? How can they connect with you and your work? Yeah, definitely on the social media, you can find me at embodyemerge.com on the websites or at embodyemerge on Instagram or Facebook. Pleasure and peace can be found at accordingtowease.com where you can register and apply for that program with Wheeze and I. The queer competency online course can be found on my website www.embodyemerge.com. I think that's all of it. Yeah. I'll, and I'll include links in the show notes for everything we've mentioned, inclu- including some of the books um, 
that that Tara cited. Awesome. Um, I'll send you the author of Queer Magic too. Cool. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming on today. This was awesome. Mm, thank you so much, Theora. Thank and you. everybody, go follow Tara. Slide into their DMs. Tell them how much you loved this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Sign up for their courses. Get on. The, also, their newsletter is great. They offer workshops about pleasure and your body, and just like so, so many cool offerings all the time, as well as one-on-one coaching. So, yeah, I just want you to experience their work and hire them so that your life can be as epic as mine is now. <laughs> What an endorsement, damn. Yes, I would love to hear from you. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode. If you haven't yet, please take two minutes to write a five-star glowing review. It's the most powerful way you can help us grow. It boosts our visibility so that other beautiful weirdos and curious worldlings can find us and join the conversation. Until next time, Please be ferociously you.